Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Tossing and turning all night like a salad? It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. When I was drinking, I was very dramatic and immature. I was a toxic person who blamed everyone else for my problems. One of the hardest realizations in sobriety was coming to the understanding that I contributed to my own problems and maybe even caused some of them. I've learned a lot of skills over the past three and a half years, and I want to share the top five that I believe have made a difference in my ability to finally quit for good after years of trying to hang on to my drinking and multiple attempts to cure myself so that I can moderate and not even just quit drinking, but to have a happy and stable life too. So let's dig in.
Power skills take time and practice to develop. If you've heard of dry drunk syndrome, it's when someone quits drinking, but then that's it. So they still have the same destructive patterns, relationship issues, mindset problems, and reasons why they drink in the first place. All of that is still there. They just don't drink. Psychology Today describes some symptoms for dry drunk syndrome, like resentment towards friends and family, anger and negativity about recovery, depression, anxiety, fear of relapse, jealousy of friends and family that don't struggle with alcohol, romanticizing your drinking days, being self-obsessed, and transfer addiction, like replacing alcohol with weed, shopping, porn, or something else that allows us to avoid our emotions and problems. And I have a whole episode on transfer addiction. I think it's episode 130, and I will put that in the show notes. This can make someone feel like they're overwhelmed all the time because they're white-knuckling their recovery. And a lot of these symptoms are normal experiences that happen in early sobriety, like romanticizing alcohol or struggling with resentments. So don't think just because that you're feeling that way means you're a dry drunk. But if these things aren't going away for you or you're feeling overwhelmed often, even after you have several months of sobriety, then maybe it's a signal that there's more work to be done. We have to understand why we're drinking and what skills we need to learn to keep us from drinking again or doing something else self-destructive. So it's important to do that discovery work and understand what you are using alcohol for. A lot of times we say that we were using it to have fun or to socialize or to unwind, but there's probably some stuff below that that you were using it for too. So it's important to figure out what that is. So here are five skills that I have learned that you can start working on or being mindful about the longer that you don't drink. The first skill, reframing. Love this skill. Something happens, we immediately judge the situation, we determine what must be going on, and then we react to that. Sometimes our quick assessment of the situation isn't accurate because it's usually based on partial information, past triggers and experiences, assumptions, or trust issues. I've learned to reframe situations before I react to them, but I think it's especially important with situations that are outside of our control. I've talked about reframing situations to be less reactive in episode 97 if you want more in-depth on that. Reframing to be less reactive has helped me a ton, but what has also helped is reframing to not make things be the end of the world. I used to think that everyone was out to get me, and even if someone else was going through a bad situation, I'd make it all about myself in my head. Everything used to be a huge problem for me, and now it's easier for me to recognize when a situation is out of my control and reframe it. And this goes along with my next skill. So number two is acceptance. And this is essential to giving up alcohol forever. We need to get to a point where we can accept that we just can't moderate no matter what, or we just can't drink the way we want to no matter what, or we can't continue on this path no matter what, whatever that looks like for you. Even after reaching acceptance with alcohol, though, being able to accept things that are out of your control is essential for keeping your cool and handling stressful and difficult situations. 
I've learned to recognize when a situation is out of my control and work on identifying what is in my control instead. Usually it's my perspective, my attitude, and the way that I talk to others and myself. I think that we create a lot of problems for ourselves when we try to exert control over a situation that we can't control, like trying to moderate our drinking, for example. The sooner that I have accepted situations, the easier it is for me to move through them. In the past, I've fought with situations and trying to control them, and it prevents me from processing it and coping with it. And this includes accepting my past too. In my first year of sobriety, I had a lot of resentments about my past and there's nothing that I can do to change or control situations that have already happened. I had to learn how to let things go and be at peace with it and move on. And that's not an easy skill to learn. And like I said, it took me over a year. So give yourself some grace if you're working on this. Give yourself a little bit of a break. But it is a skill that you should start working on because it will help you a lot in the future. Number three, receiving feedback, especially the kind that you don't like. If someone had feedback for me in the past, I wouldn't even be able to hear it because I would be too busy thinking, how dare they? If someone didn't like something that I did or said, then something was clearly wrong with them. And this is such a toxic way to be. I'm still not great at receiving feedback because I just want everybody to like me and like my work. And I want everything I do to be so helpful for people. But I can at least pretend to receive feedback okay now. It will hurt my feelings for days sometimes. But at the same time, I'm able to take action on the feedback and make improvements. And that's really important, being able to internalize the feedback and make some adjustments. Getting mad at people because they tell you how they feel isn't okay. We need to work on hearing people out, even if we don't like what they're saying or agree with it. And this doesn't mean that everybody's feedback will be correct or useful. There are plenty of people who give feedback or feel a certain way based on assumptions that they've made in their own past. But... If we can't listen to how other people feel, then they will stop bothering and our relationships will suffer. Number four, tolerating negative emotions. Increasing our ability to tolerate negative emotions is critical. Your distress tolerance is your ability to handle discomfort without getting overwhelmed or needing to reach for something external to avoid or cope. This also helps us control our impulses too. I still get impulsive and I'll try to resist it and then eventually I can't and I usually always regret it after, but I'm still learning and at least I'm trying. But my ability to handle negative emotions is pretty amazing. I'm impressed with myself. I could never handle anything before. So I think I'm doing a really great job at that. Tolerating negative emotions depends on our other skills like reframing and accepting things. And these skills help me recognize when something is out of my control and then I focus on what is in my control, which is how I deal with the emotion and my perspective on what's going on, which then also helps with how intense the emotion is. I've also learned skills like the rage walk to help diffuse overwhelming energetic emotions and to just accept 
that sometimes I'm going to feel sad. I stopped fighting against my negative feelings and I just let them be what they are. I know that a negative feeling isn't the end of the world and that it will pass. And sometimes feeling bad, like the situation that we have right now with my cat Luna that I discussed in the two most recent episodes, if you didn't listen to those, sometimes horrible situations are just a fact of life and you have to feel awful for a while. The fifth skill that has helped keep me sober is selflessness. Drinking makes us really selfish because all we focus on is alcohol. We go to people's parties, weddings, or we meet them for dinner, but drinking becomes the main priority. And since we spend so much time thinking about it, we don't have that much space to think about other things. I tried to be considerate of other people, but alcohol always took first place. It was always prioritized over everything else. And when so much of our mental energy is devoted to alcohol, we don't have the capacity to understand other people's situations, feelings, or remember to check in with them as much as we should. Selflessness is still a skill that I'm working on, but I'm learning a lot from my sober friends. And I think it's really important to have friends and people in your life that you admire and that you can learn things from. My Living a Sober Powered Life community, my real life sober friend, and some longtime online sober friends, and some wonderful people that follow me on Instagram, all immediately mobilized when Luna got sick and we knew that she didn't have long. I received so many kind messages, gifts, flowers, cards, delivery ice cream, and support. And it made me think about the type of person that I want to be. I've never really felt super cared about by people who aren't my family. And the kindness that I've been receiving from the sober community these past few weeks is so special. My friend Laura from Your Sober Pal even wrote us a special poem about Luna and put her picture on it. I really feel like I'm not alone. And shout out to my lovely, lovely Living a Sober Power Life community members. They surprised me today with a gift card for the PlayStation Store to get some video games. And like, that is the most thoughtful gift. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Uh, so thank you guys for knowing me and thinking of me and for all of your support and kindness. Selflessness, I think, keeps me sober because I like to make other people feel happy. And the more that we care about others, the more connected that we feel. And staying connected is important. I've found that the things I worried about in the beginning, like how am I going to socialize? How will I be funny? How will I answer why aren't you drinking? How will I find new hobbies? How will I go to a wedding or a vacation? All of those solutions didn't become the things that kept me sober. It was the skills that I was developing behind the scenes by doing the work that kept me sober. We focus a lot of mental energy on situations that we feel anxious and worried about. But over time, by staying sober, you will learn skills that will change your perspective. And what I've learned is the way that I thought about alcohol and about myself was the problem. And once I was able to change my thinking, I could finally become free. So I hope that you have identified a couple skills to work on. And if you're looking for connection and support in a really supportive community, 
then I really encourage you to come check out Living a Sober Powered Life. You can get more info on that in the show notes. And I will talk to you next week. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.